and welcome to this episode of the Divine Comedians podcast. I'm your host, Paula Wiseman, and today I am lucky enough to be chatting with actor, writer, presenter, producer, and one-sixth of the amazing Absolutely team. It's Jack Doherty. Hey, Jack, Hello. how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. All the better for speaking to you today. <laughs> yeah, well, that sounds, that's great. It sounds like I've done lots with your intro there. You have. You have. We'll, we'll, we'll get onto that later. But Yeah, yeah. So I usually like to start off by chatting a little bit about childhood. We don't generally, you know, we don't generally know too much about the early, yeah, yeah. early years of the of comedians yeah. and performers that we that we love. Um, yeah. So what was the young Jack like? Uh, uh, probably a little bit. It's, uh, uh, the kind of kid that I wouldn't have liked now as an adult, I think, you know, a bit. Um, I was, sort of, you know, a bit attention seeking, a bit of a show off, really. Right, okay. A bit, yeah. Um, and they're probably a little bit full of himself. But yeah, also, you know, also nervous and insecure and, you know, hopeless like all young people. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're a natural but, performer, but you know. Yeah, I liked, I like, I did like performing. I mean, much more about actually as a child than I do as an adult, to be honest. Yeah, I, just, yeah. I kind of fell into it and then kept doing it. Um, whereas it felt more of a natural thing to do. I did like, um, yeah, I did like performing, but I also from a very early age liked writing. Mm. You know, I knew that I was going to talk to my friends and I knew who had written sitcoms, you know, yeah, yeah. 11 or 12. And I just found that, you know, really kind of fascinating. So I was also, also being, I was quite bookish, a bit of a show up, but also bookish. So like I would know that Eddie Braben wrote Workman Wise. You know? Yeah, yeah. And I'm, and my mum, story I've told often, so I, I apologise if anyone's heard this, but my mum gave me a book of Eddie Braben's scripts when I was about 11 or 12. Yeah. And I remember just going through it and thinking, oh my God, that's how you write, you know, that's how you set out and that's how, and then you describe what Eric's doing and then, and on the back it had, which remains to this day, one of my favourite all-time jokes, which was Ernie Wise and Eric Morecambe, not his real name. He took his name, <laughs> he took his name from his hometown of Eric in Lancashire. <laughs> and I remember running up to my mum and going, this is so funny because you think it's going to be Morecambe, but it's not, it's Eric. And I just thought, you know, God, that's incredible. And so that's the sort of, um, that, 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 that was my favorite joke. And it still remains one of my favorite jokes. And it's this sort of, and it's the sort of joke that Murray would write, interestingly mm. enough. Yeah. That sort of unexpected word thing that he does, you know? Um, but yeah, so, yeah, so a combination of, you know, a kind of, uh, a shy extrovert. <laughs> As a lot of people in comedy are, really. Yeah, I mean, so what was the plan? What was the grand plan? I mean, you know, I know you studied law at one point. Mm. Uh, was the was that the goal? You want you were going to become a lawyer? No, there was no plan really. I I, I went off to study law because my sister had done it, and <laughs> all my friends were going to Aberdeen Uni, and so I just thought, well, I'll just go away with them. Yeah, and then, yeah, yeah. But I realised pretty quickly that it wasn't for me. You know, it didn't take long <laughs> to spot the catastrophic error that I'd done. But I, you know, I should have, as all my teachers told me, I should have studied English. But I always say if I had studied English, I might have been happy and ended up just being an English teacher or a professor or something like that. Um, so actually, it's probably good to make some mistakes. And then yeah. it forces you into finding what you want to do instead. So, yeah, I went off and then the other guys... You know, Murray and Gordon and Pete were setting up a troupe for the Edinburgh Festival and they asked me to join in. Um, and then, you know, we just started doing that every summer. 
and yeah. fell into it by accident. So, I mean, none of us back then, there wasn't really a career, it wasn't, other than the Edinburgh Festival, there wasn't yeah. really a career path. And even the Edinburgh Festival wasn't really a career path. Yeah. I mean, there wasn't a single comedy club in, in the country of the alternative variety in 1980 when we started. You know, there was plenty of working men's clubs. Yeah, yeah. That route, that route into it, but there wasn't really anything else. Um, so no, we we had no intention. It was it was just an it would be an impossible dream. You couldn't, you know, you're not going to get your own television show. When it's <laughs> not, you're 18. It's yeah. not going to happen, is it? No, but, but I mean, it's not a natural. It's, it does, yeah. it's not yeah. a natural path though that you've taken, is it? Do you know what I mean? It was no. it was obviously fated that you met when you met Murray, Gordon, and Pierre. Yeah. yeah, yeah, completely. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's that sort of. I always describe it's more like a band, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was sort of round about that time as well, when there was a slight punk ethos, you know, from 77 onwards, that, you know, mm. that everyone should give it a go. And um, in the way that uh, it's the, sometimes bands I really like, they're not necessarily all the best musicians in yeah, the world, yeah. but I, they just, they work together mm. really well. And I think that's what we did before the four Scots people in, in the Bodgers initially, and then into, then into absolutely. Um not that I'm saying we're not the best actors in the world. Not that I'm suggesting <laughs> that we're amateurs in <laughs> any way, you know. <laughs> but um, yeah, we just it just it just worked um, that that combination. Um, so yeah. yeah, a lot of luck. There. You, yeah, you, so I mean, you performed you as the Bodgers, as you say, at, at mm. the Edinburgh Festival. So where did the the Bodgers come from? Where did the name come from? Was it? Uh... I don't know. It was the guys who set. The Bodgers up because it was us, us guys, and then there was a load of you. I think there was. I think Murray yeah. was saying there was about eight. There was eight. Yeah, there was eight of us. And isn't this terrible? <laughs> I can't remember the names. But this is forty. I mean, a long time ago. Forty-three years ago. Yeah. Lane Buist was in it, and then there was was it Dave? <laughs> Dave and I want, I want to say Dave and Gregor, but that doesn't sound right. They they were the two guys who set it up, but they only wanted to do it once. Yeah, yeah. So they just, um, they did it once and then we carried on doing it because we were more interested in it. So yeah. the actual guys who kind of initiated it, mm. it, was, it was just a one-off, let's do it thing. Yeah, so but so, I mean, how, how would you it. describe, how would you describe what you were doing uh, when when the the Bodgers, when you all got together as the Bodgers, how would you describe what you were doing on stage at the time? <laughs> um, <laughs> Is that well, possible? It's not, well, it is actually possible because... Amusingly, I could show you a prop actually, because the Royal Bank of Scotland yeah. um just closed down their safe deposit um service and they sent me right. this massive, massive file. And I, I I don't even remember depositing it, but I put into safekeeping all the original oh my God. scripts. So I had such fun the other day going through it. I mean 70% of it I couldn't even remember at all. Yeah, yeah. 30% of it I go, oh, my God, yeah, it's really interesting. And you can see the seeds of what we were doing. I mean, yeah. a lot of absolute rubbish. I mean, really terrible. Um, so thankfully there wasn't really any video about that. Otherwise, you know, <laughs> you know, you'd get it on YouTube. Yeah. But it's really interesting, you can see, because Murray and I wrote the bulk of it. Mm. And you can see right back then, even when I was 18 and Murray was 23, the beginnings of what we would kind of do and complement each other. The old Murray's is just lots and lots of wordplay. Yeah. And puns and all that kind of stuff. And my stuff is just kind of thematic, pretentious nonsense, you know? And it's just, it's really, but it is really a little kernel of it. Um, 
so it was kind of I don't know whether Murray mentioned it, but Murray always talks about um the fact that I, I think it might have been the Scotsman reviewer came to see this our very first show, but took pity on us and didn't publish <laughs> didn't print the review because apparently we were that bad. But it didn't matter because we were from Edinburgh, so we sold out. No. And basically our experience of doing the Bodgers for five years that we sold it, but we pretty much just sold out every show. So I go up now and young performers go, oh my God, tell me the stories of, you know, what, what was it like playing in front of three people? And I just go, no <laughs> oh idea. my God. We just, we just started with a full house and we just carried on from there. And in fact, it's harder to get a house now, even. You oh, know, yeah. Because no, but you were nominated for the Perrier. Do you know what I mean? Like, that was we that. were nominated for the Perrier, but that was, that was our fourth and fifth year or yeah. our fifth year. So 84 and 85. Yeah. So by then we were getting good at it. Yeah. So I'm talking about the, the very first year was probably a little bit, um, it was like a sixth form. It's like a school review is yeah. what it was. And so all our friends came to see it and our, our parents came to see it. But then as we carried on doing it, we got better and better. And by mm. 84 and 85, we were doing, you know, very good shows and we yeah. were doing stuff that we then, you know, that's what got me and Murray into writing mm. and all that kind of stuff. So we ended up selling a lot of our, the scripts that we did in 84 and 85 to other comedians and other shows, you know. So, yeah, so we it was a learn. It was a quick I, I think we were a quick study. We learned we got good quite quickly, I think. Yeah. I mean, you obviously had a like mindedness with Murray. To, to write together as much as you did. Mm. Was it a na- was it a natural fit, the two of you? Yeah, yeah, completely. Well I just think we complimented each other in that. Mm. Um you know, I was probably yeah, he was probably more joke led and I was probably more concept led. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the rough difference, I suppose, if you were to press me. Um and yeah, and we just got all oh, we just yeah, you just you know, I've I've written with a few people in life and it's indefinable. You just it either works or it doesn't and you know that very quickly. Mm. Um and yeah. so, yeah, yeah, it just... No, but I mean, you worked on a lot of big shows together, you know, Smith, yeah, yeah. Image, Smith and Image, Smith and Jones, you know, mm-hmm. a bit of a baptism of fire, I suppose, in, in some respects. Yeah. I mean, that must have been a great learning experience, working with oh, some fantastic. of those guys. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, and it was also, it was just, I can't overstate how exciting it was. You mm. know, to move down to London and then be writing Spitting Image, which was, yeah. you know... One of the biggest rating shows at the time it was probably you know fifteen million people back in the yeah. day. Yeah, yeah it was we huge. would travel into the writers' huge. meetings on a Monday on the tube, and we'd hear people talking about the sketches that we'd written. Yeah. Or we'd do a live gig, and people would heckle us with lines that we'd written, you know, and stuff like that. And I was only like twenty, or which at the time I felt like I was a sophisticated. Of course, I'm old enough to be writing one of these. But then when my kids became twenty, I sort of appreciated. Oh my god, it's yeah. pretty young actually to be yeah. doing this. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it was just, yeah, nothing kind of that first night when we saw credits on Spitting Image and stuff like that. And nothing really quite matches that. I mean, obviously, yeah. when we got our own show, that matched it. But it, that excitement and that feeling of, my God, we've, we've managed to pull this off was, yeah, it was really exciting. Actually. Yeah. No, I think Murray, if I remember rightly, Murray was saying that you were, you were up against the, right up against the wire a lot of the time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, very much so. Yeah, we were, <laughs> because we were just, because we kind of, someone said this to me the other day, and it's been true, someone just said to me, oh, your whole life's been a bank holiday, you know, <laughs> and it's kind of, and it is a bit like that, that yeah. being a freelancer, um, so we would, you know, and we, we did enjoy ourselves back in those days, we did go out quite a lot, mm. um, but <laughs> yeah, it was, we were always 
Um, I remember, I remember one series as well. We would, we would. I can't remember. This is a few years into Spitting Image, and we would sit around and try and get an idea, and you know, and you know, not get anywhere. But I remember then we think, well, let's have a joint and a pint, and we'd do that, and then we'd get oh all, all the all the ideas would come, and then we'd write them up the next day and survive. And I remember, I remember going through a list once and realizing that. All the scripts I'd sold that series had been the ones that the ideas I'd had when I was stoned. So I, <laughs> I thought, oh, hang on, this is going to have to be my job. No, okay. <laughs> Not that I'm oh. suggesting to the kids who are listening. No, 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 no. Anyway, no, heavens, no, you know, no. don't do that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but ne- deadlines, they, they, they do force you to do it. So, you know, I don't know how, I mean, we weren't as prolific as some, but we were, we, I think we had a good strike rate when we. Mm, when we no, think. definitely. I mean, the the budgets were on radio when you teamed up with yeah. Moena and John. Yes. Um, I mean, was it a natural fit from the get go? I mean, obviously somebody saw something in the two. Yeah. In the two yeah. two groups, kind of thing. Yeah, it was Alan Nixon, and and we knew John from the circuit. Shared a bill with him a couple of times, and he just seemed impossibly good, really. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, kind of like. Almost John. It's almost, and I've seen this with a few actors. Harry Enfield's another one. Um, that where it's almost like they become possessed with the character. It's just, I mean, you're on stage with it. You sort of can't believe it. Yeah. Um, and you're kind of going, and that's where I th- somebody else said this, but it's something a feeling that I've had a lot when I'm, when I'm on stage with proper actors is that I, I look at them and I know that I'm not a proper actor because I'm looking at them going, my God, that's really good. <laughs> that's, that's incredible what you're doing. Yeah. Like, how, how are you thinking of doing that? And, Rather than being so lost in my own character that yeah. I couldn't possibly think that. Um, so we know John a lot and Morena we had met in Edinburgh. Well, she was probably post Footlights. Mm-hmm. I think she was maybe doing the show that she did with Robert Harley and Chris England mm-hmm. parody of Imposters of the Somebody's The Persuaders. I can't yeah. remember what their show was called now. <laughs> Something like The Persuaders. It was a parody of that. Uh, and we just thought, um, yeah, she was incredible. You know, we just couldn't, again, we couldn't quite believe her talent. I remember she did a monologue where she did, she traveled the length of the country doing every accent. And I remember thinking, God, she's managing to do Nottingham. <laughs> Who can do Nottingham? You know, I mean, I could even identify with a Nottingham accent. Um, so obviously I fell a bit in love with Marwenna as mm-hmm. one, you know, funny woman, uh, being a funny man, you want to have a funny woman. Um, and so then, uh, yeah, so we kind of were, we were sort of getting to know them anyway. And then yeah. it was suggested we get together and yeah. um, they brought a little bit of class and professionalism. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think John was definitely the most physical, wasn't he? Out of the, out of the six yeah, of you. Yeah. Oh man. He's yeah. A man possessed. It, but he was so good. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I've, I've spoken, I spoke obviously with the other Absolutely guys about their memories of the early days of Absolutely. Yes. Um, so what memories do you have of those times, those initial, the initial days of Absolutely when you, when you the first initial started? days, I, 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 mainly the, the, mainly the thrill actually of getting our own show. That, mm. That's what I think it must have felt like being a band when you get your first album. Yeah, yeah. Your second and third album. It just felt that this was, such an unusual thing to happen that a bunch of school friends got a television show, you know, in a, in a, on Channel 4 and on a proper, you know, <laughs> yeah. proper television station, you know, where, where proper programs were, you know, and suddenly we, you know, we, the Python had a 
series and not nine cut news and you know all these all these incredible shows and suddenly we had our own show um and so it was just that it was the it was the thrill of of achieving that mm. pulling that off and getting that and just the 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 fun that we had is really what i recall from it it's just yeah no it's it a very was, visual a very very visual yeah. series yeah uh, completely and it was just you know, we just partied hard and we worked hard. <laughs> All stoned. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We probably stopped that by then. Well, like, yeah. Um, yeah, and just the the excitement. Yeah, the excitement of 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 having having our dream come true. In a yeah. Way, you know, um, and then it, you know, it did it did pretty well. So it was. Oh no, four series, Jack. Yeah, 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 yeah. Four series, exactly. And it, yeah. It, um, you know, it got when people when people liked it, they really liked it. You know, they really. I still meet people now who know more about it than I do. Yeah, yeah. And oh, no, that must be great. You know, it's, uh, it. it's on on channel on the four play on channel four. Yeah, yeah. You, so there must be there's you know there's new fans yeah. discovering it as well. Yeah, completely. And my kids' yeah. friends watch. Yeah. You know, they get into it because they go, oh, you know. Their dad, you know. <laughs> that must be so weird. Shows. So, yeah, it, it's not. And I think it, because it wasn't a topical show. Yeah. You know, yeah. Oh, it's it timeless. Was, totally it's timeless. Time, yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't really have, I mean, it has some references, but very, very few. That was one of the rules that we, we gave ourselves that we wouldn't um, do topical yeah. stuff. Yeah, no, I'm always I'm always rewatching the, the the show, uh, yeah. and easily in my in my opinion, one of the top sketch shows of all time. E- oh, easily, good. easily. Um, I thought it was it was definitely a marked difference between series one. You watch series one, and then series two. Yeah, it was almost like you'd looked at it and gone right, okay, we've yeah. done it that way. Let's try, let's try yeah. something different. There was there seemed to be a marked difference in. Uh, yeah, in I think the old, the other slight marked difference in the by, yeah by, by four is the most traditional yeah. Yeah. Of sketch show. But one was a 45 minute slot. Yeah. So that yeah. was very experimental. Yeah. You know, we would do eight minute sketches, sort of little narrative pieces, um, which people weren't doing at that time. Um, and th- so then I think partly because we were going down to half an hour, that just forced us to be a little bit more exact mm, mm. and a little bit more traditional. I mean, it's so long since I've seen it. That, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I can't, I suppose, you know, you know, maybe I should have re- maybe I should have researched looking myself. Looking at your looking at your younger self must be quite coming onto this thing. Yeah, so I haven't. I mean, I don't think I've seen. I mean, yeah, I won't have seen it since it was, we made it. So, wow. You know, I don't really. I couldn't tell you anything that was in the first series. I I can remember Murray and I chasing. Uh, Having a roller skate at a funeral. Oh, the coffin, the coffin of your landlady. Is that, in, is that in the first series? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is. Okay. Your, your landlady is Don and George's landlady. I think had. It is a her coffin on a roller skate. <laughs> a landlady that died. I didn't know that. <laughs> That's very good. Um, yeah, so it was kind of always evolving, um, and yeah, I, I, I think it was all very natural. I don't, I don't think we ever. We we didn't really set out and go okay. Well, this series we'll do it this way, or mm. we just brought we made the rules and then we brought them as we went yeah. along. Because I remember we first talked about it. So, well, let's not do recurring characters, you know. Yeah, let's. yeah. And then so all of the characters would come sort of from one sketch, and you'd think, well, that's just going to be the sketch, but then it would have a a life, you know. Like I'd write mm. story Richard Cal- I remember writing the first Callum, and that was just a sketch. Yeah, yeah. And then, but Murray loved the character, the part, that then that became a life of its own, and Murray began writing all the columns, you know? Yeah. Um, 
So we never really, Maglash is, is a perfect example of that because it was like that sketch kind of was presented to me in the George pub in Wardour Street when a guy came in, really drunk Scotsman, and went, see, we are sitting on there, son. If it wasn't for the Scotch, you'd be sitting in fucking arse at four. <laughs> invented the seat. And it's like, oh, right, okay, well, this is a perfect character. Light bulb. Um, light bulb, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So then we do one. But then if the audience went for it, we thought, well, actually, you know, I can see why people do recurring characters. So yeah. same with Tony Bridge. I just, I just realized a parody kind of, um, you know, uh, comes to Tony Bridge, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. Whatever they, they're called, you know, not travelogues, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, um, so that's a sort, you know, and you just, and there's a, there's a little tangent there because I knew Lisa Mayer at the time, um, who wrote the young ones. Mm. And I remember when I was talking about Stony, the first Stony Bridge and, and she said, Oh, that's really like Gateway to Balham. Which is a Peter Sellers sketch. Do you know of this? Right. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. it's a, it's a kind of tourist board attraction for welcome to Balham and just selling all the shit that's in Balham. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, I'd never seen it, didn't know that. And that's the great thing about being that age. Yeah. Because now I know my, I've seen so much more comedy. You're not influenced by. Yeah. And you're not going to say, oh, well, I can't do this. You know, I'll be better not do Sony Bridge because Peter Sellers 20 years ago did. <laughs> I've been writing recently with this young writer called Maddie Mortimer, um, who's just a long list of the Booker Prize. There you are. There's a plug. Wow. And that's really because she was born in 97, oh 96, God. maybe. And I'll, I'll mention, she'll come up with an idea and I'll go, it's a bit, I think it might be something <laughs> like that in spaced. She'll go, what the fuck is spaced? <laughs> like, you know, this was this, a show that was on before she was born. Oh, God. It's, it's, again, it's uh, now towards the, you know, yeah. layer part of my career. I'm learning just to not care if somebody's done something before. Sorry, yeah. I've got, I've rambled. No, on it's, no, it's all good. It's the, all good. I mean, you talk, talk about, you know, you creating Callum there. Did you have a process for writing your characters? I know, you know, talking with the others about how they all bought their respective parts. Yes. They did their respective parts and then it was all bought together, basically. Did you have a, yeah. your own process for even like for for Don and George and uh, of, of, of guess, nice of, family? Did you have of, a a process? Of guessing the characters or no? They're all all just random moments that happen. So like McGlashan, McGlashan was was that mm-hmm. came from that moment. Callum came from um, a, a guy who <laughs> visited me and my friend. One night we were just somebody we know and I can't, we've never said who it is, but it was. I'm afraid to say, once again, we're into the stoned territory here. And I just happened to be telling my friend about this guy. There's this guy, and he always wears an anorak, and he always has this crash helmet on. And he's just always, he turns up and all of that. And as I was telling this story to my my brother, there was a knock on the door. And I just kept talking and opened the door, and it was the guy. And I just I just closed the door in a panic. I went, it was him, it was him, it was fucking him, it was him. <laughs> and we were so stoned, we couldn't. And so we had to, so we just, come in, come in, come in, and then... Chris began laughing and had to run off to the to the kitchen and it was just awful. And then he, and then he, he took his helmet off. His hair was all in a very curious way. And so I just thought, well, that's a that's a very funny sketch that you're yeah. just so yeah. I wrote that sketch for me and Murray to do in a double act mm. at the Edinburgh Festival. And uh, so that came from that. But then, you know, all the really great Callum sketches are written by Murray. You know, because he he inhabited the character, became the character, and you know things like the you know the booking the holiday, you know the absolute stone cold classics of of that. So, but they're always just suggested. So that one came from there. And um, the Nice Family, the whole entire idea of the Nice Family was that my father used to have a different voice on the telephone yeah, when he was yeah, booking yeah. the holiday. 
So he'd be go, let's go and put the holes, and then he'd go, I'm inquiring about the vacation. <laughs> um, so I thought, well, that would be quite fun. Um, uh, Stony Bridge came from a little video um, that Pete was doing the music for, which was, and it had a guide vocal. Right. <laughs> so it was, a, it was a tourist thing for Edinburgh. I think it was called Sean Connery's Edinburgh, just because Sean Connery's from Edinburgh, and the hope that people would think, oh, Sean Connery's in this. <laughs> It wasn't, but a, a guy from the advertising agency had done the guide vocal. Right. <laughs> and he was very nasal and he was going, uh, it, the, the imposing castle is looking over. <laughs> and I remember thinking, well, this is just too good to be true. So, um, so that's what it's doing. So none, so the process was just waiting for something to land in your yeah. brain, really. Um, what else? I mean, I remember Pete and I going to see some <laughs> for for the piano man. Going to see, I can't remember who it was. And again, if I can remember, I won't say who it was because no. we just got a, a fit of the giggles because it was a it was a comedy pianist who was so so pleased with himself and so self satisfied with his rhymes. And I remember we came out of that, and I started <laughs> saying clever with perspicacious rhymes with voracious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And getting all the more the more and more obscure rhymes and all that kind of stuff. So. It's all just random. Mm. Uh, yeah, yeah. The Wells is there, but we could keep going. Yeah, so many. so many. Marena and I did sponsor a an African child, <laughs> and then we got we got all the information and, and drawings from the African child. <laughs> and I remember we were looking through it, going, "Oh my god, I, I think she's an idiot." Look at this. <laughs> How old is she? Seven. <laughs> we don't want to presume. Drawing of a seven-year-old. <laughs> So then we wrote and went on to do, you know, what we ordered was a, you know, a tiny starving, yeah. what you seem to have given as a corpulent Brazilian or whatever it was. <laughs> um, so there you go. It's just, yeah, it's just, it just comes from your life, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. Now I've got one defining memory is of the, from the nice family sketches, uh, when you, you seem to get out, the, it was the, the bondage route that yes. father, that father went down. That was quite harrowing. Yeah. Quite harrowing. <laughs> Yeah, and, pr- and probably, what's the old phrase about jumping the shot? Probably too much. <laughs> you often, you know, you often, all of the sketches eventually, you know, you, you run out of steam and you start pushing it too far. And that was probably <laughs> one of them. They were, it was better when it was just, um, sorry. Yeah, it was better when it was, uh, you know, just more kind of, um, kind of the, in, in the real world. I think yeah. the same, I mean, not the Stony Bridge was ever real world. Um, someone's been very, yeah, things like Stony Bridge, we went, we did a one about um, Eurovision Song Contest or something. Would that be right? I remember oh, that, there, was, there, was the Olympics, there was the Olympic or, bit and there was... Yeah, the, the Olympics bit, of, oh, I suppose, the Olympic, even the Olympic bit. Actually, we started quite silly quite early, actually. <laughs> 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 but the Olympic bit was a serious sketch. So the nice family, yeah, I can remember that one. And I can remember Murray writing one, which was based on his dad. It, it, it was very like my dad and Murray's dad, really, the nice family. <laughs> And Murray wrote one where uh, get out of the way because your mother's coming through with a train or something. <laughs> based on his dad going nit no nit no and getting into a complete flap because things weren't being done for his wife in exactly the way they should have been done. Um, yeah. But yes, so no, I was watching the one yesterday where you're out, you're all out walking, you're all in the in the woods singing, going through the <laughs> oh, going yes. through the forest. Gordon's walking backwards down. the of course. Down the path. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. God, I've forgotten that one. So the, the, the nice family musical. Yeah, yeah. 
And what, we were just having a lovely day in the country? Yeah, yeah, it was a nice, you're all in your, the, the, the duffel coats and, uh, father was yes. having a good, having a good thing and the kids were being unruly as, you know. Yeah. One that I did see recently was, um, the bank holiday song. Yeah. Uh, which again was one that was just sort of came to us. <laughs> on bank holiday, me and Pete were sitting on the balcony and just the whole street was coming out and doing all this kind of stuff. People were just so happy because the sun was shining. <laughs> yeah. People still post that bank holiday song every um, bank holiday, which is Yeah, funny. but I mean, what is it you, you think that makes absolutely so timeless? I mean, you know, it's it's become this cult series. Yeah. People still love it with a passion these days. Um, and you can still watch it today. As you said, there's little bits which kind of maybe are not. But, yeah. you know, who cares at the end of the yeah, day? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was like any sketch show. Yeah. There's always stuff, you know, I look back in sketches I love and, you know, you're surprised actually when I go back to Python, you know, that how much was padding. Cause I didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was sort of, I was seven when Python came out. So I didn't know Python from, you know, uh, the television show. I never saw the television show. Um, so I knew it from the records. So of course you're only getting the greatest hit from the, from the records. So when you go back to see it, you go, okay, all right, you're, this is taking about five minutes to get nowhere. <laughs> <The> sketch, <laughs> you know, which is true of any sketch show. Um, but I think it's what we were just talking about earlier, that it wasn't topical. They're just timeless characters, you know? I love Ivor Cutler and some yeah. of that's written from the sixties and, but they are just, they're as resonant now as they were then because it's just, there's some truth about, you know, human yeah. nature. I'm a firm believer that, um, at the time you were doing, you were kind of pioneers, I suppose. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you were doing stuff that other people were not doing. You'd kind of gone from one, one era yeah. into a new era. Yeah, I think there was a wave of people, yeah, that we were part of that. Because mm. we'd, we'd written a lot of satire, political satire in, yeah, in, yeah. Uh, in the 80s. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, all those kinds of shows, you know. And so we were getting a bit bored of that as well. And I think mm. these things do just go in waves. So we just thought it, it'd be nice to get back to a surreality, just to a kind of a silliness, a non, non-politically non based thing. Um, and then you know, obviously Vic and Bob. Mm their their thing or or you know i think we've done a couple of series before they they came on and then but you meet guys like the mighty bush and league of gentlemen and they all talk about you know absolutely having played a you know a role and or they or they just liked it you know um but yes it was definitely i wouldn't say we were well i'll yeah okay we invented everything you invented comedy we invented Jack. comedy that we went back in time and invented everything. yeah well you never again you're not you just you're, i don't think you're setting out you're just setting out to do what you really no, like. no you were just doing yeah. what you were doing at the time yeah, exactly and then but i mean um, it's one of the things like when you're making it you obviously don't think that people are going to be watching it in you know 25 30 years time you don't you're obviously yeah, not exactly. looking you're looking at them you're in sure. the moment and you're doing what you're doing kind of thing yeah 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 exactly you just do it and have hopefully have some fun doing it and then if people like it great if they don't we'll say no more about it we'll find we'll hunt them down and exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but i mean you're, you're you're pretty prolific jack you know you've done you've done so much different work over the years um, scott squad obviously uh, a lot of people will know you for a uh, yeah. particular favorite of mine we've got uh Mikkelsen's hat behind you there on the yes. on the hook. Uh, we also had <laughs> obviously the Jack Doherty show, which I loved yes. from the, the late nineties. Very uh, anarchic, yes, at, at times. <laughs> it wasn't times. It wasn't times. Yes, it was <laughs> again slightly experimental. Indeed, indeed. Uh, the creatives, bad adults, 
you guested on Red Dwarf, you were in the comic strip presents for one of the episodes, and obviously you came back to the live stage at Edinburgh relatively recently. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, do you have a, fa- I know it's like probably two, which, you know, what's your favourite child, but do you have a favourite aspect of uh, of your career so far, of the, all the different yeah. shows and things that you've done? Interesting question. Um, no, I don't think I have a favourite. My favourite is to is to try and do different things as often as possible hmm. rather than plough the same furrow. Um, so I, like the live stuff I've been doing, you know, I did the, I did the Cameron Mickelson's character from Scott Squad live a few times and I, I could just be doing, I could just continue to do him live and build a, a bigger live audience for that character. But so as I did it once and I thought, well, I've sort of done that. I'm not really, I might, I might go and do it again. But the next thing I thought, well, I'm going to write a one act play, nothing but. So then I thought, well, I'll do that. And then I'm going this year to do a show, which again is, I hesitate to use the word stand up, but it's a bit more yeah, no, no, out no. and out comedy again with me and it's me dicking around. So the, so the question I'm always asking is, what haven't I done? I guess. And, um, but often then it'll just be, I'll do the thing, you know, if someone offers, made the job at the right time you know like scott squad i'd sort of given up acting you know then i got asked to do scott squad and i thought well actually this is quite fun mm. I, I did the pilot and thought why have i stopped acting this is good fun and someone oh. goes to get your lunch for you and you're picked up <laughs> all this nice stuff happens and you know and then that's been a great you know because like we've done eight series of and I, you know, to do a job that, not that I'm blowing my own trumpet, but to get, you know, the fact that I was nominated on the Bath of Scotland Best Actor category for, for dicking around in that hat that you can see. <laughs> you no, know, it's kind of like that, that was not an expected arc of that particular, <laughs> that particular comedy show, you know? <laughs> it's always just searching for, searching for the next thing, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I suppose talk about Mickelson. Now, how much input did you have into him? Initially, did they give you kind of the bare bones of the character? Yeah, no, there was quite a bit done in the character. For the pilot, there was, it, it, it was mostly coming out of the situations he was in. Yeah. Um, you know, but there was the broad strokes of this leader who thinks he's more intelligent and more important and a greater leader than he is, you know? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Back to that classic, you know, comedy character rule, comedy lies in the gap between who the character is and who the character thinks he is. Yeah. You know, and, and Mikkelsen has a big gap between those two points, you know, a, a leader of men. But then because it's semi-improvised, it's mm. such a fun show because yeah. you, get, you get the outline of the sketch or the outline of the monologue and then you just improvise around it. Um, so a lot of the character then just grew over the years as I improvised and then the writers would take that and improve and then feed back into it. So it was just a kind of holistic kind of, so, I mean, was, was the improv aspect of it new to you? Yes. On that, new to on me. that scale, I suppose. Yeah, on that scale. Yeah, new to me in terms of doing it for a professional job that's going to be recorded and then put on the television. But, I mean, I, I write kind of by improvising, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you kind of, so it's any comic writing is really kind of following your mind in that way. But it was certainly, it was the first time I'd done it. Um, you know, I'd never done any kind of, you know, comedy store players or any kind of theatre improv. Mm. So it was the first improv I'd done, but, um, but I really liked it because it, it made me realize that so much, I'm never nervous doing it because people always go, ask me nerve wracking. I go, no, what's nerve wracking is 
having lines that have been written that you've yeah, got to remember. You've got to learn, yeah. You've got to, you know, not let the writer down. And you've got to hit that mark because you've got to go over here and hit that mark because that light's up there and you'll miss the light if you don't stand there. Whereas yeah. if it's improv, you just go, well, no, we're going over here. The camera's going to follow me. Yeah. And I'm going to be <laughs> wherever I want. And it doesn't matter. And also it doesn't matter because anything you try and it doesn't work, they just cut out. So, you know, it's, it's actually very freeing improv. Hmm. There are obviously rules that you must follow. But I mean, he's had so many, so many great scenes. I mean, the yeah, thing yeah. With, with the time capsule. Yes, yeah, yeah. The time capsule. Uh, you, you got yeah. ta- you got tasered. At, tasered. At one, at one yeah. Point in the um, the you, apology sketch was the, the one that really was incredible. Viral. I think it's one again. It's you know obviously that's pre absolute you know post absolutely when you yeah. go you know this is a this is a show that's you know only on BBC Scotland but. Mm. You know, we have people watching in America because they've, you know, they've seen Piers Morgan <laughs> the apology sketch. It's only 80 million people. Yes, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. And, um, so, you know, my kids will, you know, my kids' friends, when they're, when I first started doing it, they'd send clips to you know, my daughter would get clips going, have you seen this, you know, <laughs> funny Scottish policeman? <laughs> my dad, actually. <laughs> you know? Um, Oh man, the blind. Yeah, the blind. Of them, yeah, they go. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You go, go viral. So that one, and the 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 other one that everybody talks about is the the drug bus with the throwing the fish all getting <laughs> jazzed on coke because of the drug bus in Stonehaven or whatever it is. Um, but yeah, no, it's just pretty good. It was a great, it was great fun to do that show actually. Eight, eight series, which is, seems a lot, but. We had our farewell dinner the other what night. What is it, like 40, 40 episodes or, or so? Or so yeah, probably think, something roughly. like that. And then we did all the spin-offs as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I, I did interviews with the the candidates, you know, for the, the election specials, for both yeah. the general election and the Scottish elections, where I interviewed uh, all the political leaders, which was very interesting, because then they would, you know, they would, just to be in that, where they have to improvise as well. And then yeah, it's yeah, yeah. They have to treat me as the real... Chief of police, you know, and Nicholas Sturgeon is, you know, although she's now got very um, acquainted with the police, of course, <laughs> uh, <laughs> or her husband has. Um, yeah, and very interesting to see how they all respond and how they yeah. respond exactly as you'd expect each of the party to respond. Kind of funny, but particularly through the uh, their assistance, you know, mm. people come with them. The Tory leader, you know, was some guy in a suit. It was a bit of fun, you know, some guy called John Tigger and Christ, you know. <laughs> the Lib Dems were in, you know, and like in the Paddington jackets, you know, <laughs> yellow SNP, all you know, iPads and security, and you know, we are the government. So it was great. It was really interesting, actually. And they were all very good. But then I guess you don't become the leader of a political party unless you can think in your feet. Well, maybe, maybe. You know, yeah. But the the, te- the Taser one. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't yeah. hurt. It doesn't hurt. Completely. Oh yeah. If anyone's seen it, you'll be surprised to hear that I never was never formally trained in acting. It's an extraordinary thing. So just, yeah. I'm assuming they never actually tasered you. No, they didn't taser them. Look, look how good my acting is. You thought I was tasered. Well, it's, it's very realistic, isn't it? You see yeah, yeah, little, very realistic. Actually. Yeah, the... yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, yeah, I know, but no, it's painless. <laughs> <laughs> that's acting there, Jack. Exactly. That is absolute. You know, that's right, proper yeah. acting there with a, from a taser. Yeah. You you also script edited the the first the first series of Big Night Out. Yes. You were, you were talking earlier about Vic and Bob. 
I did, yeah, but script editing, that's a very generous um, <laughs> description <laughs> of what I did. <laughs> Basically, I, my job was to go, that's incredibly funny, and that's very, very funny. Tick, tick, tick. And then, yeah, and just, you know, it was, they just want, because we've done a couple of series, absolutely, Channel 4 wanted somebody who'd done a bit of telly, you know, right, just okay. to be around. So I was around, Charlie Hickson was around, so Charlie mm. was helping out. And, um, but yeah, so it was just to get them to do stuff on on telly rather than you know on stage, you know, yeah. make them aware of the cameras. But it was yeah. just you know, they, I mean, they didn't need they knew exactly what they were doing. Yeah, I watched the clip of when they were when they they came on the talk show and it was just oh, a, a load of a load of beer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, God, there were a few of those actually. The talk show where it just turned into lost nights. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that was one. Eddie. Oh, Eddie man. But you had some incredible guests on the chat show, didn't you? Oh, yeah, I had a lot of fun, actually. Yeah. Um, it's like one, once a week, that would be the dream job because you yeah. just meet all these really interesting people. And, you know, and you end up, I'm like, for those re- it's the nights you ended up, you know, heading off into the darkness. <laughs> I remember going on one with Ray Winston. Oh, my God. I remember Ray was, Ray was like, let's go for a couple of drinks. And then Ray phoned up, obviously, his wife. But it was obviously his kid that answered the phone. Probably Jamie Winston. Probably his right, daughter. right, yeah. Because I only heard one side of the conversation, which was Ray. Which was Ray going, "Yeah, just tell your mum that uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm going out. I'm on one." And then just the pause and going, "No, don't get her. Don't get her. Just tell her I'm on one." <laughs> Disappearing. And then you know Shane McGowan or the boy from the Happy Mondays. You know, imagine having to go for a pint with Sean Ryder. <laughs> I mean, just lucky to be alive. And then Brett Snell, I said. Yeah. Bowie and the Pythons, yeah, mm-hmm. which, you know, it's quite a, you know, quite a lot of interesting people there. But and it must have been a lot. Of, you know, I mean, you did it for two years. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. Five, yeah, yeah, nights yeah. A, five nights a week for two years. I mean, that's. Yeah, yeah. Although we tailed off towards hmm. the, in the second, in the second year. Um, and then there was guest hosts as well. So my, my load eased, I have to say. Um, but I mean, it wasn't, it was, I mean, had it been once, once a week. Yeah. It would be fine. I'm glad I did. I'm glad I had that experience, but it wasn't, it wasn't my thing. I always think I was acting the part of a chat show host, you know. Yeah. Whereas oh, I think it was a flagship show as well, wasn't it? Yeah, time. well, it's good launch the channel. Yeah. But I think that what the, the truly great chat show hosts like Graham, Jonathan, even Frank Skinner, actually, I thought was really good at it. You know, they're all, if you meet them, they're all just kind of, they are that person, but, but they're heightened, obviously, but they're, yeah. And go, that's yeah, you're the same person there as you are. Whereas I felt I always had to come on and you know put on a bright suit and pretend to be somebody else. So I kind of treated it as an acting job rather than it being me, particularly. So um, a bit of imposter syndrome, bit of imposter syndrome, yeah. But as I always say, what other job gets you to say? No, but they wouldn't have asked you, you know? <laughs> if, they <didn't> think, <laughs> if they didn't think you'd be good for it. Why they, you know, they <laughs> yeah, well, you. you know, yeah, but they might have, but um. Yeah, I can't remember how it came about. I think I just presented um, Edinburgh Nights, the festival right. roundup right. show, and I think somebody saw that and thought he's a he's a likely. It was just it was just so anarchic, you know, like you yeah, it sounds it was like well, Edwina Curry on. Yeah, and... yeah. I mean, the bits that I really loved, my <laughs> happiest memories of that show were when we really were just fucking around with it. <laughs> And to the extent that the audience were just completely bamboozled. And my favorite was when Martin Clunes was on. And I said to him, look, what we're going to do is just whatever I say to you, men behaving badly, just go, I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> and I'll bring up Dot Martin and you just go, I don't want to talk about that. And just whatever question I say, I don't want to talk about that. 
And then we'll just sit and stare at each other in silence. <laughs> and then sound will bring up very slowly the sound of a dripping tap. And then we'll just sit staring at each other with the sound of a dripping tap. And then Martin went and go, well, how will we end it? And I just said, well, I'll kiss you. <laughs> so I ended it by kissing him. And, of course, the audience are just sitting there. Absolutely. <laughs> what the going fuck on? is going on? <laughs> and also, also, also thinking, you think... They're going to understand we're just fucking here. We're fucking around. But actually going, oh, no, Martin doesn't want to talk about these things. This is awkward. Uh, <laughs> like, no. <laughs> that's just, that's, yeah. But then, of course, you'd have to go to the, then Channel 5 would drag me down to some <laughs> group. And the focus group would go, what we what we've learned from the focus group is they'd like you to have a nice chat with Martin Clunes <laughs> and ask him about men behaving. <laughs> Which I get, you know. Yeah, as a yeah. When Tom Hanks is on Graham, I want Tom Hanks to be telling something amazing. <laughs> I get it. But if you're in the sea and you're a bit bored, <laughs> you know, it's just like, let's do some idiocy. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it was. Yeah. No, but that was the beauty of it. It was just, it was just crazy. You didn't know what you yeah. were gonna. You switched yeah, it on. Yeah, you I didn't know. know what you were gonna get. It was... Yeah, yeah. No, you didn't. I didn't know I was gonna get time. <laughs> sitting there and go, who's this coming down the stairs? I've forgotten, you know. Tell me a bit about yourself. Yeah, going back in time, talk about Don and, Don and George. Yeah. Uh, two of my favourite, two of my favourite characters. Yeah, yeah I love Don and George. So, I mean, what do you think? Where, where do you think Don and George are now? God, can you imagine? <laughs> well, they'll still be together. They'll be like Gilbert and George. Yeah. I think George still... has probably tried to kill Don quite a few times. Yeah. <laughs> I would think, yeah. we old Don would have, would have had it by then. Yeah. Um, God, who knows? They'd still just be doing the same old thing, I would imagine. I know, you know, like when you think about the current climate and like social media and technology and all this yeah. kind of stuff. And, yeah. you know, and then you get, you see the, the episodes of Absolutely where they can't even find a television. In, in, in <laughs> yeah, a room. yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, they can't even. Yeah. Is that the one where we, we, on a Wednesday, we look at the, we, we tend to look at the television like this. And yeah, we, yeah. We, and there was a, you were in a hotel room and, uh, oh, we're in the hotel room. That was yeah. not when we were buying the television. No, this was, this was another one. You were in a hotel room and you could see your, your flat out of the window. Ah. And you couldn't find a television and you're looking everywhere for it. And like... <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't remember that one. Sorry, just me being, me going off on a, a fan. Yeah, no, great. Maybe I should look at them again. <laughs> oh, you really should. I mean, I can't believe yeah. you've, you've not watched them since the. Yeah. Just as I said, it's it's so timeless. Yeah, well, I suppose it's when you do them, when you do it yourself, you know, it's yeah. kind of fun. Yeah, I mean, the Don and George stuff, as I said, like, you know, that obviously that became a series because it was... Yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah, well, Murray and I just loved writing it so much, um, you know, so we were just, that was, it probably wasn't the most obvious spin-off. Yeah. Of the series. Um, but it was sort of what Channel 4 were looking for, you know? Yeah. They, didn't, they didn't find it with our thing, but they wanted a nice surreal sitcom, and they tried it with Paris... Graham and Arthur's mm. first up, then obviously um, Sean's show yeah. was in a very similar vein to Don yeah. and George, and then they really then they hit Peter with um, Father Ted. That yeah. was what they were wanting. Yeah, that old rule, you know, if, if it's something surreal, you know, real real people in an unreal world works. Unreal people in a real world works. The only thing that doesn't work is unreal people in an unreal world, and that's what we were trying to do. Yeah, trying yeah, to prove that. And I'm not sure that we did. Although some people say that, you know, they just for some people it worked again. Yeah. A smaller proportion of people than, than absolutely worked for, but again, people who love 
Mr. Don and Mr. George really, really adore it. Because it's just, it's just common. It's just, yeah. every line is just trying to do, trying to get a laugh. It was yeah. just a naked, try and get people to laugh. And that was it, you know? And yeah. it's interesting that when I did the chat show, a couple of Americans came over to help out. And they'd seen Don And they couldn't believe, I mean, they just couldn't believe it was, they'd be sitting there going, this was broadcast? This, <laughs> they allowed you to do this? You know, and just because it was like, it just made no sense. It was just so weird, you know. But a lot of fun to do. Well, I'm crazy after seeing what some of the stuff that went out on SNL over the years. Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, I know, I know. Pot and kettle. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you they were talking about the acting. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> yeah. So are you, are you working on any, anything at the moment, Jack? Any sort of, will we see you back oh, on the stage or anything anytime oh, soon? You will see me back on the stage, actually, uh, this summer, doing this show. Look, there it is. Oh. That's the rough running around. Um, slightly panicked. Yeah, no, I've decided to do a show called uh, David Bowie and Me Parallel Lives. Right, okay. So um, that's the title, but don't quite know what the show's about yet. Oh, blimey. Um <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah, it's me. It's, um, having done this kind of semi serious play last year, not, yeah. semi, not play, that's a bit grand yeah. monologue. Um, but it had serious things. That was a goal of mine to see if I could get an audience to cry, you know, <laughs> which was quite fun actually to, when it worked. Um, but, uh, but, so this is the return to just out and out comedy. You yeah. Know, this is just me. I'm just going to be arsing around. That's what we like. That's what we like. Let's so is this going to be totally at the fringe or do you think you might tour yeah. it? No, this will, t- t- this one totally at the fringe uh, thus far. But then you know, you always just do them at the fringe and see what yeah, happens. I mean, happens, nothing yeah. but was going to just be at the fringe, but then it ended up touring and then it ended up going to the Soho Theatre. Um, so the last one I did, I'm, d- I'm adapting for television and, and we're looking at doing a, you know, maybe more chief, maybe a chief spin-off, you know. So those are the, but you know, you know I've probably cussed them now, but I mentioned them before they're, before we sold them properly, but um, yeah, so that's the yeah, but that's the three things I'm currently working on. Yeah, fantastic. Um, so let's talk a little bit about music now. Um, so have, have there been any big music loves in your life, be it a band or a, or an artist? Yeah, yeah. Well, Bowie. Mm. Bowie. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Bowie has touched Lots my life. Um, but yeah, and uh, but then I very much kind of straight down the indie route, you know, REM and Talking Heads. You know, David Byrne. He was he was my man. Um, <laughs> so and yeah, and that, and then you know. Well, my wife will say dreary indie music. <laughs> that. That's the kind of up indie music. Um, but Bowie and then the status quo, of course, because oh, yeah. all of us boys in absolutely the Scottish boys. Yeah. We all bonded over the quo. Cause I think they might, it might have been independently the first band we all saw. I think. Mm. Um, so that again, having quo on the, having Rick and, Rick and, um, Francis on the chat show, that was incredible. To meet these guys that I'd seen when I was thirteen, you know, on the way by. Um, no, I'm pretty, um, pretty eclectic when it comes to music. To be fair, mm, no, but as I said, you had a lot. You must have had a lot of mu- your musical uh, yeah. favorites on the on the chat show. I mean, even having Bowie on must have been. Yeah, yeah, Bowie was the was the highlight. Crazy. Um, and then the great thing with that show was that you would you would break break bands <laughs> rather grandly. Thing. 
I mean, give the bands their first TV show. Yeah. So like Travis were on the first time the show, Stereophonics. And yeah, yeah. We did a special with the Divine Comedy, mm-hmm. you know, which was just great, which was just them, Neil and the yeah. band. Um, Cardigans and yeah, yeah, there's lots of bands that were on it. The other great, Benfold's Five, they were great. Oh, who's that? Is that Neil Hannon? It's, it's the Divine Comedy. There he is. Oh, well, there you go. You've got very good taste, I have to T- say. T- Colin. Tied it all in. Tied it all there in. There it is. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, Benfold's you... Five. They are oh, there. Yeah, Benfold's, he's, he's touring again, isn't he, very soon? Is he? Oh, well, I'll check him out this time. New yeah. album. New album out next. New album. Okay. A couple of months. Yeah. Well, they but, were great. Like, yeah. They were, I mean, they were great on the show. Would you have been a gig goer? Yeah, yeah. When I was a kid. Yeah, yeah. All the What's time. What's best, best gig? Any sort of memories of... I have to say it's Byrne again. David mm. Byrne. Oh, he's incredible. Him individually. And then like just the last tour, the American Utopia tour, which I went to with Pete, um, was just exceptional. You know, really, really great. And then I saw, I saw him again in uh, Birmingham, where the whole show was sort of built around an office set. There were a lot of him in a, in a kind of office chair moving around and lights and, you know, lamps and just you know, <laughs> filing cabinets. And just somehow he makes stuff out of, you know, ordinary stuff. Yeah, yeah. The ordinary and the extraordinary. Um, but Bowie again, seeing Bowie mm. a few times. Yeah. Um, I'm good memory of going to Bowie with, with um, Murray after he'd done his tendons. He had a walking stick, so he looked like a... He looked like the oldest, the oldest Bowie fan in town. Uh, saw the Rolling Stones in a tiny venue in a warm oh, wow. up That was great. Um, REM a bunch of times. And the great thing is I've got lots of kids. And when you take them to their first gig, so I took, I took my son to Red Hot Chili Peppers, supported oh, by James Brown when he was about 11. And he loved that. And then he became a huge Franz Ferdinand fan. And there's nothing like taking your kid to, you know, and what, and then you live just vicariously through them. You just watch your kid loving Franz Ferdinand. And, uh, and then you go, Oh, well, if you like Franz Ferdinand, you gotta listen. Here's an Iggy Pop album you should listen to. Here's a, you know, here's something from, you know, the seventies that they wouldn't have heard of. No, it's weird that osmosis, isn't it? That you get yeah, from, yeah, your, from the, the bands that your parents listen to, you know, yeah, you, even listening to stuff in the car. I mean, yeah, yeah. Do you have, do you have battles in the car of, uh, you know, what you listen to? Yeah. 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 Largely. Um, and the women, the daughters in my life, you know, there's a lot of them. A bit more Taylor, a bit more Taylor Swift, <laughs> a bit more Beyonce. Although I've become a Swiftie, I have to say. Right. I didn't, uh, I don't know if you like Taylor Swift, but Folklore was one of my favourite albums from the, the past few years. Wow. I'm seeing a whole new side to you, Jack. That's good. And all the women in my life have been banging on about her for so long that I finally I acquiesced. And, uh, no, I'm, I'm seeing a whole new side to you, Jack. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, you got to love, yeah, Swifty. I'm wearing from the, <laughs> from the little blue sparkly dress. Well, I didn't like to mention, I didn't like to ask initially <laughs> yeah, why, yeah. You were, <laughs> yeah, why you're wearing yeah, that no. sparkly yeah. leotard. <laughs> well, it's all for Taylor. Indeed, indeed. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me today, Jack. No, not at all. It's, it's been, been an absolute pleasure. pleasure. I hope it's not just been rambling nonsense. No, no, no. You've fulfilled my, you've, you've completed my absolutely jigsaw. That's now. it. It's perfect. Yeah. And I didn't bad mouth them once. You know? <laughs> yeah. Do it now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The other five as they're known. By, the other five. Yeah. 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 You know, well, obviously with the reunion and stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah. I know you were, you were busy doing all, all your other, your own stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah. I just, um, one of those I just didn't fancy things. it in the end, you know. It just yeah. felt like, you know, look forward's not back. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Not but, I, but sometimes I think, ah, oh, it would have been fun because obviously when they tell me about it and talk about it, they just had an absolute blast doing it. Oh, yeah. And, you know, to get that kind of response, it's quite gratifying. 
I would imagine. But yeah. I kind of know we would, I would have got that response. Do I need yeah. to experience this? I suppose yeah. <laughs> it's a kind of weird thing. But you know what you know what I mean? I, I know that will happen. Um, You're so, like the lost lost beetle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Go on. Don't, or, but, or, um, or the lost, a lost python or something. Yeah, you know, that well, they, and... they didn't. Uh, you know, they, obviously the crushing disappointment was it. They seemed to go perfectly well with it. I know. <laughs> perfectly well. Just released the box set. Box, and... Yeah, exactly. Almost more successful. <laughs> without, you know, the other five have gone off. To... It's like, take the hint, Jack. We didn't. We didn't I know. Go on. Again, we but... didn't need you at all. <laughs> no, but it was fine. But it was, um, yeah. I was kind of, those things, it? You still, know. I was still doing things like Stony Bridge and stuff. So I, I kind of felt I was still involved because, you know, there was still some of my... Yeah, yeah. And that you're still involved with the absolutely productive... Some of my stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's not. People are always, you know, oh, did you fall out? People, you know, when they bring it up in Scotland, they go, did you fall out? <laughs> but, um, yeah, we don't talk about that anymore. We don't, yeah, talk, we don't yeah. talk to Jack. I just, but it was, I was just starting Scott Squad and stuff. And it just yeah. seemed, I, my vision was going in a different direction at that point. Yeah. And, um, and now you're full of regret. And now, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it is like I always love it when my favorite bands get back together. Yeah, I've gone to see specials. I've got to see the Pixies, you know. Yeah. But I think it's just something. I don't know. It just it Mom, felt like I've this... been there, done that. You know. Yeah, no, I know. You know I what know. I mean? There's still um, a lot of love for that. Like, absolutely. I swear. Just yeah, yeah. You need yeah. to re- you need to rewatch it. You need to. Re-watch yeah. It. Well, I'm, I'm. You know, I've got a box set over there. Oh, crack on, Jack! Crack on. Still in its, still in its wrapping. Still in its, still in its wrapping. Cellophane. That's probably still worth a lot. Cellophane wrapping. It's worth a lot. Of, a lot of quids now. Yeah, exactly. On the black market. Get that on eBay. I, I will, but actually, you talking about it has made me think. Oh, maybe I should just have a little. You should. The first couple of series, especially. <laughs> oh my god! I'm oh, good. You're a purist. You oh, like? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. a purist. I'm a purist. Excellent. Anyway, thanks so much, Jack. As I said, excellent, Paul. Well, you've thank you for having my... me. Yes. Absolutely jigsaw now.